Welcome to Business Unplanned, a small business podcast series from BMO. I'm Michael Hyatt, and in each episode, we'll talk to local entrepreneurs, hear their stories, learn from their setbacks, and pick up some new insights along the way. So this week, we're talking business loans with Laura and Josie Cannon. Hey, Michael. Hey, Nisha. So who do we have today? You're going to love this one. We have two sisters, Josie and Laura. They're the founders of Glamigal Spa and GG Media Group. We have two sisters going into business together. Me personally, I would never go into business with my sister. Yeah, this should be good. I certainly worked from, with my brother for many years, so I kind of know what it's like. Uh, working with family is never easy, but it can be a huge plus. Yeah, totally. We also have a special guest on this episode today. We have Emily Kerr joining us from Bank of Montreal. She's a VP of Business Banking. Ah, exciting. Well, let's, uh, let's get started. I'll bring him on. So Emily Kerr, thank you for joining us. You're the VP of Business Banking at BMO. And it's such a crazy time right now out there for businesses. It must be almost like you've never seen something like this before. You're right, Michael. We haven't seen anything like this. It's probably the uh, sharpest economic downturn that we've seen in a long time, uh, impacting so many industries and so many businesses. So certainly the last few months have been uh, really interesting, rapidly changing and uh, unprecedented for so many businesses. You know, I've seen that the banks have really stepped up to try to help small businesses. And I know that BMO in particular has really been focusing on how to get money out the door, how to get loans going. What has it been like with these small businesses coming to you? And what kind of what kind of uh, loans are you seeing? What kind of requests are you seeing right now to help these businesses get through this, uh, this uh, tumultuous time? Yeah, so when COVID-19 was announced as a global health pandemic uh, back mid-March, we saw a lot of immediate panic amongst business owners, especially those where they were going to be looking at a temporary closure of their business and seeing a a cliff of their revenue dropping off. Uh, And so, yeah, we're we're very proud of how quickly uh, the major Canadian banks, including BMO, responded. Uh, We very rapidly implemented our own COVID-19 business banking relief program. We made available options to help support businesses through these times, uh, things like temporary increases to operating lines of credit, uh, so that businesses who needed access to some additional working capital to cover their expenses in the near term had that available. Uh, We also uh, created an option for deferring principal payments on amortizing business loans to take some of that pressure off cash flow. Uh, So those were some of the immediate steps. And then shortly thereafter, the federal government uh, announced a number of government relief measures, uh, including the Canada Emergency Business Account, where BMO's tech team responded very rapidly to create a streamlined online application. And so that uh, solution has been accessed by tens of thousands of Canadian small businesses. You know, so what kind of advice do you have? Uh, a lot of businesses are listening right now and they're thinking, OK, I'd like to approach my bank. And I think sometimes people think that, you know, it's going to be really hard to approach a bank to ask for a loan. And I know the banks are saying, no, 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 come to us right now. We're really stepping up. What, what should I do to approach, let's say, BMO to take a loan for my business? What should I have ready? What should I be thinking about? So there's a number of things that we're looking at in considering loan requests. You know, firstly, we want to see how was the business operating prior to COVID-19. If it was a healthy business uh, that was a going concern, our approach at BMO is to form long-term partnerships with our clients 
And so we want to work alongside them through these challenges to help them uh, survive and go on to thrive. Um, businesses that were experiencing financial difficulties prior to COVID-19 may find it more challenging to access capital in the current environment. It's not to say that there aren't options available. In fact, we have a fantastic special accounts team that works with businesses that are experiencing real financial difficulty and, and help to restructure and, and enable those businesses to uh, find a path forward. So there's many ways uh, that, that we can help. In terms of what businesses should be preparing if they're looking to access financing during COVID-19, business financial statements, up-to-date tax returns are really important. In addition to that, cash flow forecasts, uh, updated business plans, these types of details will be really helpful in supporting a loan request at this time. So today it's going to be really interesting. We have the Gigi sisters on our show today. We have these dynamic sisters who started this spa for kids. Now, that sounds pretty frightening to me. I thought, you know, I'm a father of a new daughter and I'm thinking, (laughs) what age do I start bringing her to us? Have you heard of the sisters before? I have. I had an opportunity to check out their website. It's an interesting business, an inspiring story. Uh, Their website suggests they started with just $80, and uh, they had some interesting photos of sort of their tween spa, which is an interesting demographic to target for these kinds of services. So uh, looking forward to chatting with them today. Yeah, I want to know, do they, are they really giving kids manies and petties, or is that just what they call one of the things? I'm, I'm so interested to know. I would think that Anywhere parents can bring their kids to let them tear up somebody else's studio and not our home is probably a good idea, right? It should be a it should be a really interesting episode to see how they built that together. I'm always interested to see the dynamic between sisters. I mean, I built my companies with my brother, and I'm always thinking about you know that that dynamic, and it can be incredibly strong or weak depending on on what happens. So I'd love to dig into the sisters to see what that dynamic's like, and I'd like to understand. You know, have they thought about loans? Have they thought about uh, using capital and and uh, see how they're doing in an environment where you know, it's very hard to turn up to their events? So it'll be interesting to see how they've pivoted. For sure. And at BMO, we have a whole enterprise-wide program for supporting women in business in particular. And one of the things that we found in our conversations with women-led businesses is there's a tendency not to access capital. Um, Some of the the women entrepreneurs we work with just aren't aware of what's available. Uh, And so there's a real opportunity, I think, to to chat a bit more about that today. Yeah, Cheryl Sandberg says it'd be nice to see women entrepreneurs lean in a little more, right, and ask. And it's almost like asking is like one of the first steps, and uh, you'd be surprised where you get to. Yeah, be bold and ask, for sure. So we have the Gigi sisters. So why don't you tell everybody, like, what is it like to kind of start a company with your sister? Okay, so you want to start from the beginning of how the business was built or more about our relationship and kind of intertwine it all? I want to know back, let's go back to age like six-ish. Did you get along then? Were you always getting along? Were you like competitive? And it was, what was it like back then? Well, we always called Josie the angel child. Yeah, we were, we were, we would always argue. Always. I would steal her clothes. That was she the would, worst as teenagers. She would fall. I would steal your car too. Oh, when she would steal my car, Ooh. she lied to me once. And then I found her in a no. parking lot of no. a coffee shop. <laughs> During COVID right now. So you, you, you were kind of clashing, you know, when you were kind of six, eight years old and you discovered your sister took your car and there was a war. And then later on, we all get in our 20s and everything kind of evens out. But when did you decide, look, I can start a business with this uh, sibling of mine without uh, getting into a big fight? Like, how did, when, when did that occur? It was my I, wedding. I was going to say, when you got married. Yeah, it was my wedding. And I guess uh, 
that's when it, the brand actually started. We started doing mobile birthday parties for kids after my bridal shower. So many kids love the idea of our craft table for kids that one of our family relatives said, can you do this as a party for my daughter's birthday? I'm like, right. absolutely. And then it just kept going and going. And and that's how Josie was going to teacher's college. Yeah. So on weekends, we would do mobile birthday parties and go to people's homes. And it was an extra way to make extra cash for her because Monday to Friday, she couldn't work. And it was a way for me because I just got married and had a mortgage and it's all scary. So it was an extra you know, cash incentive for me to make extra money on the weekends while I worked full time Monday to Friday. But tell me, like, what what is happening when I when I go to one of your locations? Um, I see a lot of children screaming, which is normal, and putting on spa robes. And like, so what would the experience be like for a child if I Death turn up with my daughter in a few years, which is sounding frightening already? But what what's going to happen? So we we specialize in the birthday celebrations where we have groups of kids celebrating that special birthday milestone. We also do workshops. We do, you know, mom and daughter, dad and daughter, little gatherings. We dad do, and son. Dad and son. We do all little kids services. We have a, a product line we created as well, made in Canada with like all natural polishes. Um, we do camp programs. Yes. We we really do anything that captures uh, an experience for the little ones to remember in a fun, uplifting um, environment. We are very, our, you know, our, our mantra and our language in the stores is all about raising confidence in children, right? Being confident, being you. So we do a lot of that throughout as well. Um, okay. Okay. But at some point you were doing all this and it's going great. It looks so exciting when I look at your website, like I'm getting excited to go to one of these, but then I'm thinking, how did you make the big jump to your first big physical store? Absolutely. So from 2002 to 2006 to 2008, we were doing mobile parties and it was just getting overwhelming. We were going anywhere from Mississauga then to Niagara, then to London, Ontario. We were going everywhere out of our parents' home in Vaughan so that we hired all of Josie's friends that were teachers, college students, Oh. And they would be picking bins out of our parents' basement. And it's like, okay, here's your direction. So you're going here, you're going there. So when we realized that we just, it was just way too much to keep doing this mobile, we're like, we need a home for this. There's nothing like this. We need to be a, the first kids' spa in Canada for kids to come. And we need to make it a place that is comfortable for them, starting where from the furniture to the products, things that are their size, because a lot of kids were not welcomed in kids' spa, in mm-hmm. adult spas. So we created this, um, and again, we went oh, I, I, I wonder why people would bring five-year-olds yeah, to a spa. Right? Yeah. I don't know why, you know, right? something about screaming and diapers. Hey, so, okay, but, but listen, this is really interesting because that means you were both kind of co-CEOs and founders right when the financial crisis hit. Because right now, I've been telling people I was a CEO back in the first, in the 2000, the, the dot-com crash and 9-11. I was a CEO in the financial crisis and now. So, like, let's compare the financial crisis because you start ramping up the business the world comes to an end after the collapse of the banks and all the liquidity yes. crisis occurred what happened in that time to you in the first crisis so i think it was 2000 wasn't it 2008 2009, 2009 yeah yeah so we actually grew busier to be quite honest with you because wow. parents want to always keep their kids happy and if you are providing mm. a service for your children you're going to do whatever it takes to make your child happy even if you don't have the money you're going to find a way to make the money to make your child happy. So you grew um, in the last recession. Yes. And we were still like, at, during that time, yes. our business was, um, we were still like in schooling doing our little side business at the same time too. Yeah, yeah. But that's when the store opened and that's, we opened in 2008, but 2009, uh, we actually expanded the location to 2,500 square feet. It was originally 1,200 and we expanded it to 2,500 square feet, the back end, because we just, there was just too many people we were turning away. Tell, we, tell me, talk to us about taking risks, making that big jump and 
starting that store, did you lose sleep? Did you find it was anxiety driven? Like, did you find it, or was it just so exciting because so many people wanted these parties, you knew you could do it? Or did you, did, was there a lot of doubt or what is that? Tell us about risk here. I think it was a mix of everything. I think seeing the demand and the interest in like clients coming from all over, traveling hours away to come to this location uh, really made us give us that boost. What's it been like on you guys personally starting a business? What is it like being sisters running a business and then the dynamic with your husbands and you've had kids? Like, how do you how do you weigh that? I mean, you're always together. You're always doing this. The pressure doesn't end. It's unrelenting. Your hours are, well, it's just all the time. All the time. So how do you balance the relationship between you two? And then actually, more interestingly, with your partners? To be honest, we don't balance I was just going to say, we don't really have the balance. Um, When we started the business, I was just dating my husband then. So, and then after we got engaged, and I feel like our husbands just joined in on the craziness. They grew into it with us. They they knew what they were getting into. (laughs) They knew what they were getting into. And I think our success is their success. Yeah. Um, and there's days too where it's like, Dave, you got to go pick up Ella from school. And Dave's like, no, but I got to do something. I'm like, but I need your help. And he'll always, like, I, I have a great husband. He'll always yes. sacrifice and he'll, he'll help me out. And he just, and I help him out too. But still, even, even with my husband, he's, he's a plumber. So he's in the trades too. And he'll help in different ways. Like it will be hours not coming home. If we're overnight for a conference, there's yeah. dinner, taking care of the kids. So we definitely share all of that. And, and they are part of our success. But what advice do you have to other entrepreneurs starting a business with their partners? I, I tell people being a CEO and running a company is a very long, lonely experience. It's very hard. Most people actually have breakups. They have divorces. Yeah. They have like when I was building my companies, I had a number of long-term relationships that failed. I didn't have kids till later in life. I, you know, it's, it's, it's been a, actually a very difficult road. I found it very challenging. One of the things that I found challenging was I never felt that the people that I was with ever understood how hard it was for me. And it sounds like you've got partners who were uh, their pre-marriage and actually understood what they were walking into. Exactly. Right? So, I mean, how does that work? I think full transparency is key. Yeah. I think there has to be like, you know, whenever there's something going on with our own business, you know, a financial issue or some, some sort of strain that we're feeling, it's like, Dave, this is what I'm going through. This is how, you know, and you bring them into that conversation so they can make you feel a part. They can feel a part, part of the decision making. Um, transparency is so key, but that doesn't, I'm not telling you that th- there's fights that don't happen. Oh my goodness. There are so many fights that happen in different ways, but, um, we have such a love for our brand in a different way because we grew it all together in our own way. Like Josie's has been painting our first location. You know, my husband signing on to being a part of the agreement to be an owner right with us. So we all have our different roles we play and none of us wants to see each other fail. Um, and you know, like two years ago, we bought a family cottage together, both of us. So yes, we're always together at the we're cottage too. Yeah, I think that's it, making them a part of it, and they 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 want to help us, and they see how passionate we are too about our yeah. business, right? Wanting right. to grow it. Exactly. I told people that building a company with my brother was like incredibly powerful if you can make it work. And here's an example, Aisin. Tell me if you think this is accurate. I told people that if you start your company with your best friend and you get into a really bad fight and call each other names. Maybe in this couple of days you get together, you apologize, and you kind of go on. But there's always kind of a little rubbing. There's always a scar. With your sister or your brother, my brother and I would have the worst fights ever in the early days of my software companies. But you know what? It was almost like 30 minutes later, it was like, oh, okay, let's just go to lunch. There was this blood, this love that if you can make work is so much more powerful than your best friend. You can't explain it. It's something genetic. I couldn't explain how powerful it was to build with my brother because nothing could tear us apart. People would try to divide us. It would never work. We've had that happen too. How did you make the jump from your first 
store then to franchising. Why franchising and why didn't you do six stores or seven stores? How do you how many do you have now? So we have six locations, but you right. know, due to COVID, that could change. We're working sure. on some stuff happening. In October, we opened up our second location ourselves. Before we wanted to invest someone else's money in a franchise, we had to prove that we could duplicate the model like ourselves with our own money. Mm. I don't want I don't want to gamble someone else's money. Went to the bank, got a loan, used that loan, and we um opened up our Ajax location. And the reason we picked another location, that city was because we found that all of our clientele, not all of it, most of it that was outside of the Vaughn area was coming from Durham. So we're like, hey, Durham needs a location. Um, so we opened up our second location in Durham. And then we realized after a year and after looking at our financials that it was profitable um, and it was sustainable. So then we, you know, we contacted a franchise person, which is another story for another day. Emily and I were having this conversation uh, just before you came on about how taking a loan can be dramatically positive for your business, that if you use the money properly, it can be amazing. I always tell people taking money, taking loans can be the most expensive thing you've ever done or the cheapest thing you've ever done. It becomes really cheap if that money becomes productive and you put it to work. So, you know, there's a lot of companies out there listening to this right now thinking, should I take a loan? Should I expand? What what kind of advice would you have about taking a loan and approaching a bank? Like, take us through your thought process when you were first approaching the bank uh, about taking that loan and then what message would you have to entrepreneurs about putting that to work to making it so that it's you know, creative to the business? Okay, so we have an accountant that does all of our monthly financials for us. Right. Um, and then at the end of the year, she'll give us, uh, he'll give us or her, whoever's working on the account at the time, they'll give us a whole year end um, of our financials. Right. right? So, we're, so like know your numbers, get some help. Who does the forecasting? Like how involved are you with that forecasting going forward? So I'm involved with our accountant, but I have to be quite honest with you. At the beginning of opening up our brand, I did not know what I was doing. I have learned. Right. We have learned. And we've learned along, yeah. along the way. And, by and making mistakes by too. Making mistakes. And we were insecure at first to say that. We'd be like, oh yeah, we know what we're talking about. Now I'm like, no, we had no idea what we were doing. Uh, we learned along the way. And um, I also, I still struggle now today when people say about a business plan and I joke, I'm like, well, business plan couldn't have uh, forecasted COVID. So that's out the window. So I, I'm a, a strong believer in a business plan, Michael, but I'm also like, you can't forecast the future at this point after everything that's happened. And now a message from our sponsor. You're listening to Business Unplanned, a small business podcast series from BMO. Make sure you subscribe for more conversations, learning and insights, or visit our small business hub at bmo.com forward slash small business resource hub. There you'll find helpful articles and videos for any stage of business, whether you're starting out, expanding, or looking for advice. I recommend the latest content series on crisis planning, which in this current age is more relevant than ever. There's an expansive e-guide that you can download absolutely free with chapters about cash flow crisis or even applying for government grants. And there's four companion workbooks to help you get started. So if you want to see your business one step ahead, visit bmo.com forward slash small business resource hub. Emily, listening to the Gigi sisters talk about taking a loan, what advice would you give them and other entrepreneurs about getting ready to get that loan? I just feel so many people come unprepared and expect something, but they can actually do so much better if they just do some simple things. Yeah, thanks so much, Michael. You know, I was thinking about what you mentioned earlier around, you know, when is it a good business decision to take a loan? And and I've worked with so many businesses in my career, and my advice has always been, if your rate of return on that investment is going to be higher than your cost of borrowing, it's a good idea to borrow. That's a good investment and a good use of debt. Obviously, you want to be wise. You want to be cautious in taking on high interest debt for things that you might not be able to get a return on. 
Uh, but I really like this story and uh, there are solutions that are available through BMO and, and the other major Canadian banks that are guaranteed by the government in an effort to help support business. To your question around what kinds of information should businesses be looking to bring to their bank, there's a high degree of uncertainty right now relating to COVID-19. And anytime you're making financial forecasts, you're making assumptions. And it's really challenging right now. To end. And so we're really encouraging businesses right now to think about have a best case, a worst case, and a probable case scenario. And think about doing your cash flow forecasting on a more frequent basis than you might in business as usual kind of time. You know, usually it would be typical for a business to think about doing a month by month forecast over a 12-month period. And so having that information prepared to bring to your banker, uh, along with an updated business plan, your business financial statement, up-to-date confirmation that business and personal taxes are current, all of that's really important. Yeah. So, you know, come with a model. I love that. High, uh, I tell people that all the time, what's their high, medium, and low? And classically, from what you said before, Emily, it's like they were doing well before COVID. So green light. COVID hits and it makes it so they can't have people getting together. So they have to pivot and think about their business. We know that eventually we're going to get through this and we'll be back together. So like, what's the plan, uh, the new plan, the high, medium, low, when we get back together, what's their assumptions? And then grind through that business plan and figure that out, right? Yeah. And you talked about pivoting. That's so important these days. We've seen so many businesses who are finding new markets. There are innovations that are happening because the world around us has changed which inevitably creates some untapped opportunities. So how how do those new markets, how do those new platforms of delivering a business model integrate into what the business plan was prior to COVID? Uh, so let's go to what Emily was just talking about, the Gigi sisters. Let's jump over to this whole idea of kind of, you know, it's funny. I talk about the last financial crisis, and to be honest, the more I get into this financial crisis, I find the other one was a picnic in comparison. Because I tell people, like if I was sitting in a boardroom last year and I said, okay, let's model a scenario where all businesses shut down. You'd be like, get out, Mike. You don't make any sense. That can't happen. I'm like, you know, obviously if I went around screaming saying all businesses will be shut down in March, no one, no one would bet on that. No airline, no hotel, no bar, but it happened. It is, I don't know, a white swan, a black swan, depending on how you read the book. And it happens. Okay, so you have a business, but by definition, has people coming to an event, mm-hmm. you know, and we have two sisters here, you know, in, insatiable appetite. It's just you. It's your company and it's franchisees that you've made commitments to and they've made commitments to you as well. And then we can't turn up. So what's the pivot? What, what did you start doing? Like, I guess in the beginning of March, you're like, well, maybe it won't go on that long. That's but exactly now, what we thought. Right. And then every month <laughs> it goes on, this new normal becomes normal. yeah. And so three months into this, what are you thinking and what's going on with your franchisees and your business and what are we thinking of doing? Okay. So Josie, it was funny because in February, at that point, Josie was researching what was happening in China, how birthday party places in China, like, no, they're doing these virtual party rooms. They're doing this. Josie had like a full email. She's like, and I'm like, Jose, just stop. And then <laughs> COVID hit. And Josie's like, I told you so. She was like already there. You know, we don't want to think worst case scenario being business owners, but, but you have to. We have to at that point. And this crisis hits. And we, you know, we were in shock first. When we, spent, we spent the first, first two weeks, weeks calming our franchisees down. Yes. 
right? Because there was no one, there was unknowns at this point. Was the government going to step in and help? Were there going to be any loans available? They're all panicking. So the first thing we did is we eased their, their minds and we said, listen, guys, we're not charging you royalties. We're not charging you ad fund from Smart. February. I go, we are here to support you. I want you to w- not worry about us. And we're going to take that hit because you guys believed in us. We believe yeah. in you and we believe in the brand. So that's the first thing we did. And they were a little bit calmer, but not, that didn't solve everything. I said, sure. we're going to, we're going to work to create something. And within two weeks, we came up with virtual birthday parties, weekly virtual workshops for kids. An entirely new business. We just switched our business. Like we were working like all night, literally. And we were just, it was like a pivot party, I called it. Where are we right now? So we're having this conversation. You are three months into this pandemic. It's, I have, I like, if you say to me, when would my wife let me go to a birthday party or go to a group thing? I think that I would not be allowed to go till next year sometime or sometimes it was a vaccine. And is that what you're thinking? So I, I can tell you everything that's happening right now yes. with our, our brand is everything's virtual now. So yeah. we get you your supplies. You can do a birthday party online, a spa party with eight kids virtually. My background is also I'm a teacher at heart. So I, sure. I'm, and our thing was, how can we engage children through a screen and provide these services and like them doing it on themselves? They have everything they need. They're applying face masks with the, the leader who's leading the session. They're making slime. They're making bath bombs. Can we go back to um, where are you now? And like, for example, do you need to now do another loan for your business? Have you considered it? No. So basically us as franchising, um, we did take advantage of the government $40,000 loan just to have as a backup. Was that helpful? Uh, It's helpful because it's helping for our web, our social media ads to get the word out because you know, a lot of people see doom and gloom with COVID in their business, and we see that too, but I also see a form of a way to embrace it. So we were never across Canada before, but guess what? Now we can do virtual birthday parties across Canada, right? So now it's like we were able to do a birthday party, just like you said, in Vancouver or British Columbia or what have you. Tell me about the math of that. Tell me about yes. the business. And let's yeah. say I was an investor in your company, and I said, on, on, on a kind of profitable basis, Compare that virtual room to what it would cost me to do that virtual room versus the real room. Which one's yes. more profitable? Let's go oh. to Emily here and pitch Emily for a loan. Would, would she want to see the balance sheet or the P&L going forward of the business plan for the virtual? Would she like it better? Would she like better the real one? Which one would she like better? So I think she would like the virtual only because the profitability margins are higher. You're not paying three staff to be in a birthday party for eight kids. You're paying one staff and... That's it, right? Whereas in an in-store party, it's two to three staff plus the front desk staff plus the party happening. Mind you, the price the price is more higher, but the percentage of profitability in a virtual is much better. Um, so definitely that um, the virtual is definitely an option on that. It's but in a way, you could be the Gigi sisters doing this. Pretty much call it anywhere in North America. Exactly, virtual. Yeah. Yep. And we've had requests. And we've had requests for even, we've even had for like LA, like it was just, it's just shipping. We're worried about the shipping to LA. And if they get it in time of their party, they'd have to book it in advance. So these are logistical things we're going through. Um, But yeah, virtually you can do this, but going back to what you said, you said, Laura, like, when will we be able to go back into your spas? Well, most of them are opening as of July 2nd. It's going to be social distancing. Um, we have half of our, our, our client base that's welcoming and excited that they're ready to book a party. They're calling daily. And then we have half that are like, oh, no, 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 I'll stick to virtual. But the best thing happened now. We have a virtual business and we have an in-store business. You two come across as kind of almost eternally positive. And I know looking at you and I know because I've been on this road for 20 years, 
it's not always it's hard to do that. It's really hard. Right. Very hard. Like what advice do you have for entrepreneurs on this path? Because I tell people it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Like this is hard what you're doing. It's hard. And I actually compare it to the game of snakes and ladders right now. Yeah. It's like, okay, gamble and you get three, go up. All of a sudden, go down. Right. And uh, so I I feel like it's a game of snakes and ladders. It's the biggest roller coaster ride you're ever going to be on. And I know that's such a cliche phrase to use. Everyone uses the roller coaster. But the regret, oh my gosh, you have to, you have without to do trying it. it, right? And I think we were just talking about that before we came on. We yeah. were saying, like, you know, it can it get worse? What do we? Like, we don't, we don't, don't know unless we try and go forward. And I think having each other and and our, you know, our, our family yes. to support us, it helps us a lot too during those. And I always times. think it could always be worse, and that's what we go by. That's why you have to be positive because I feel like it could always be worse. And we do have those bad days, no question. Um, but we hide them well too sometimes. Emily, what do you, you've seen so many businesses at BMO and you, you are, you know, the vice president of business banking. You, you see so much coming through right now. What is some of, what's some of your advice for the Gigi sisters on uh, what they're doing? What's your kind of gut reaction? Well, I really loved how quickly they were able to pivot to go digital. Uh, and it's interesting how they've now discovered that they can tap into new markets, international markets for that matter, which previously wasn't part of their business model. So, I think that's really great, and it's a huge trend that we're seeing right now, a real ramping up of businesses migrating to e-commerce if they didn't have an e-commerce platform before, uh, delivering you know, through various social media platforms. So I think that's really fantastic. One thing I'm really intrigued by is how you're able to monetize that, you know, because consumers are smart. They'll know that your cost of delivering a birthday party when the kids are still at home and you don't have staff is going to be lower cost to your business. So are you still able to charge the same and make the same margins on those services? And so I think there will be some hurdles and some learning opportunities there for businesses. There's a huge opportunity for going virtual right now. Yeah, like one of the things we just recently launched three weeks ago, or was it Mother's Day, was a pedicure kit for adults. It sold out. Like we had a certain amount and we sold it under the GG. People just went like, like it was, because it was easy and it's accessible and they don't have to go out and get everything for yeah, their pedicure, but we sold out really quick. So that was, was a good one. Yeah. Just always trying something new. Throw it against the wall. See if it works. Talk to us a little about taking risks and tips. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to what advice would you give yourself 10 years ago starting this business? Give some advice to yourself and what are the kind of two or three key things and tips you'd give about starting this business, raising capital, getting into like what what are the uh, I always tell people maybe as an advisor I can help you make less mistakes, but you will make mistakes. So if you were to kind of advise yourself about making less mistakes, where would you fo- focus on? We were insecure. Like like let me just put it out there at the beginning, so insecure. We had no nothing we had no nothing about franchising. We had no clue. Nothing. Like no questions. We were scared to ask those questions. We were scared because we were so insecure. And that's me us being very vulnerable. Scared that our question was a stupid question. But you know, ask questions and remove your insecurities and ask them. No no question is a stupid question. And listen. Listen. Like there were so many we knew it our way. Like at the beginning. No, no, no. This is how we do it. Listen, listen. We need take to listen. the feedback. Take the constructive criticism with everything. You know, don't take it personal. It's your business. It's something that's going to help you. And I think that took us time to, to do too. And the number one right now I can tell you is remove emotion from transactions. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, that's, really? that's, that's really interesting. What do, you, what do you mean by that? I see, I see Emily nodding along with you. What, what do you think about that? That's such an interesting comment. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a time when calmer heads prevail. 
there's a lot coming at all of us right now. Uh, and especially, you know, folks who have skin in the game, they're entrepreneurs, you know, they, they've got their livelihoods at stake and that of their employees as well. So, yeah, I, I like what you're saying around look at the business. And this is a time when a lot of businesses are having to make tough decisions. You know, do I lay off my staff? Do I keep them on taking advantage of the government emergency wage subsidy program? You know, these are, are tough business calls. And I think surrounding yourself with great business advisors and you're so lucky to have each other that you can lean on and, and find your path forward through this. Uh, but yeah, I think taking the emotion out of it is required in times like this when there's going to be tough calls that have to be made. And I think where I was more heading is like even with franchisees, right? Like it's not just a business relationship. Come over for barbecue. Let's be friends. Our families know each other. And then, you know, 10 months down the road when they start defaulting on their royalties or their rent agreement, it's like, oh, my God. But like, how do you terminate their franchise agreement? Like it's it's that type of emotion is what I'm talking about in terms of business relationships, too. Um, it's very hard for me to be stern with employees, franchisees, whereas Josie is the opposite. She's I'm the weakling. I'm like, yeah, it's OK. Don't worry. You don't have to pay now. Or like, yeah, it's like I'm so like balance. chill. And Josie is. No, Laura, you got to stick to the rules with everybody, right? So I'm, I talk about that type of emotion. Um, that's what I talk about, what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's one of my biggest regrets. Uh, so, ladies, I've loved the conversation. Uh, I really appreciate your candor, and I appreciate you just kind of being out there and telling us what it's like. It's been a very, uh, very open conversation. Uh, when, I, when I think about your business, I think that you have an incredible opportunity because although you may get to charge less, you can be much, much more being virtual. And I think the way you need to think about it is this. For the next 12 months to 24 months, you you just don't know when a vaccine is coming. You don't know when we're going to be together again. To kind of quote the queen, as I've said a few times, we will be together again. I just don't know when. And I also will tell you, and I've told a lot of people this, that this kind of time warp thing that we're going through right now, we are going to come out the other side but we're never quite going to be the same. As an example, my doctor says to me, we will never go back to 100% seeing our patients, 70% at best. When I have a doctor's appointment, I can get most of it done on Zoom right now. I'll see them sometimes. We're never going back to the old way. We're going back to kind of the old way. What I will tell you is that I think that if you spend all your time building up an incredible digitization experience, those, those birthday parties I'm talking about and doing really, really well, when the world does open back up, you will have kind of another engine on your plane. So what's going to happen to your business is that all those physical locations will eventually come back because I can assure you, I would love to take my daughter there. I can assure you there's nothing better than watching my nephews jump around on trampolines or go to parties. They love, and we want our children to destroy some other location and not our home. So (laughs) I assure you that's coming back. But for now, I think you have to be non-emotional, like you said, and really focus on building an incredible virtual experience. So when it does come back, you're going to be a much bigger and stronger company and have much better margins when you blend those two gross margins together. So I'm actually very, um, very excited about your business, especially because you can become enormous in the United States, partnering with those other brands without having to leave your own home. Does that make some sense? Absolutely. Yes. It's actually what we needed to hear. We, yes. had a, we have had a rough few days. So yes, we need to hear. Yeah. I, I, and Emily, what, what, what are you thinking uh, when you want to give uh, the ladies some advice about what, you, what you've been listening to? Well, you've established a phenomenal business and uh, thanks so much for sharing your story. It's really inspiring. And I think these are challenging times. You know, we want all entrepreneurs right now to feel like they're not alone. 
the challenges that you're facing in your business are being faced by many other entrepreneurs as well. And I'm confident that we'll learn from this, we'll move forward, we'll, we'll emerge stronger from all of this. Um, so stay resilient, stay strong. And uh, I think exploring some of these ideas that you're chatting about today, I love it. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. I really love the conversation. I think you guys are going to do so well. Thank you to both of you. Thank you to both of you for your time and your encouragement and your tips. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Business Unplanned, a small business podcast series from BMO. Join us next time. We'll be discussing cash flow with Hannah and Farah Alali, the masterminds behind Dogtio. You don't want to miss it, so subscribe now. And for other resources, stop by our small business hub at bmo.com forward slash small business resource hub. 